My name is Jared Anderson. This is a podcast about consciousness and transformation, where we explore the nature of consciousness and how we as humans transform. I speak with teachers, coaches, mystics, authors, and others in the transformational space. These conversations are designed to support your own growth and evolution. Welcome. We are now live. Adam Quiney is here with me, Jared Anderson. Everybody, man, I'm so excited about today. I'm so excited to have just a dear brother, a dear friend, uh, Adam. And I want to tell you guys a little bit about him, and then we'll tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. I, I met Adam, what was it, Adam, four years ago in John's work? Well, I think Something we actually like met that. before that. We had a phone call right before that, and then we met in John Wineland's work. <laughs> he was the one that introduced me to accomplishment coaching, where I also received my training in, in life coaching. And I just have nothing but massive respect for Adam. I even did a little coaching with him as well. And he is brilliant. He is, when it comes to ontology, you know, his being, when it takes, I don't know, five seconds to where you can really feel Adam's essence in so many ways, just emanating from him. And it really speaks to the work that he's done to get out of his own way. And he is the living embodiment of integrity and lives what he preaches. I find his distinctions to be really profound and just extremely relevant and brilliant. So today we're going to jump in and I'm going to pull as much brilliance as I possibly can out of him. Adam, say hello. Hey, Jared. Hey, everyone. Thanks for the intro. That's really touching to hear you say that. So Adam is a leadership coach and an ontological coach. And so I'm excited to talk to him today about a few different things. And one of them is we can go anywhere you want, Adam, if if something comes up. But one thing that's been really, really alive for me is being a voice in the political spectrum here in the States. Ah, Yes. Adam is a Canadian. And uh, so, oh, oh, I totally forgot. I have to pause. I made myself a fine cup of tea. Oh, very nice. In my favorite mug. says... Ekon Kar Satnamwahe Guru. It's a Kundalini Yoda, Kundalini Yoga mantra, and I did it as a as a Hey Adam's on today. So I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't forget. <laughs> what what kind of tea are you rocking over there? Today I've got uh, Egyptian licorice tea. It's one of my Ooh, favorites. I like licorice a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do this, everyone, in case you're not familiar with Adam, because he does tea time with Adam every Friday, and if you have not caught it. it you're doing yourself a disservice. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal time to go deep. So we were talking about, I was bringing up politics. I was really impacted by the invasion of our, you know, the the insurrection at our capital. And I Mm. was really also um, hit a lot by the left's riots in Portland and Seattle, which is close to you, but across the border. And I'm not familiar as, I'm not sure how familiar you are with American politics, but in terms of leadership, I'd kind of like to get in and dive in with you about like how leadership is affecting the world in relationship to to politics. So how's that sound if we dive in there? Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll just set up the context just a little bit and then I'll, I'll kick it over to you. So 
one thing that really struck me is this metaphor that I've been working on for like a year in my own mind around the masculine and the feminine. And what I noticed in the left in America is in the US is that the left really embodies a lot more feminine principles, connection, togetherness, taking care of those less fortunate. It's a more communal type of motif. And the right is more embodiment and promotion of, of masculine types of principles, autonomy, independence, freedom, self-responsibility, self-reliance. Mm. And both sides have really conscious expressions and beauty, and both sides have toxic expressions. And it really feels like on the surface in many ways here in the U.S., what it feels like is that mom and dad are on the verge of divorce, <laughs> the left <laughs> yeah. and the right. No kidding. And, you know, when you're in a toxic relationship, you can't hear each other because you're sitting on a mountain of resentment and so many things. And so I've taken on my own personal practice and I feel like it's, it's my only way to really be a leader in this place because I felt kind of hopeless in a lot of ways until I've started taking these, this on is how do I bring about my gifts and say, all right, I'm going to bring about cultural marriage counseling, <laughs> right? So that's what I'm doing. So I'm just going to pause there. I'm going to let you just like bring up some, uh, your response and then we'll just, we'll jump in. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I love the context you set, Jared, just as a starting point, which is you talked about how there's beautiful conscious representations on both sides of the aisle, so to speak. And you also mentioned, well, when you talk about it, like more masculine, more feminine, and like, of course, there's always a balance. Nothing's ever purely entirely feminine and, and whatever, because these are concepts more than right. some reality. I love that because it speaks to, to me, it speaks to like how, what tends to happen, what I see happen in a lot of partnerships and relationships where this dynamic, similar dynamic is playing out is like one side is upset with the other side for not like the masculine is more upset at the feminine for not bringing more of the feminine energy. But then when the feminine energy brings it, the masculine's like, well, don't, don't be so emotional or whatever, which then shuts it back down. And then, you know, and that the same thing plays out from the other side and there's like part of what shows up for me, there's this idea that we get into relationship with our reciprocal and then I have the medicine to heal my partner, but I also have the tools to rewound them. And it takes something quite profound to be able to get our, like to get supported beyond the system itself. Cause the easiest thing in the world to do is to point out what your partner is doing wrong. Cause you can see it right. so clearly, but you can't see how you are the reciprocal to that. And every bit is responsible for creating that same dynamic. So that's like the initial thing that, that shows up for me as, as you sort of lay out that foundation. Yeah, totally. So if I were to come to you and I were to say, Adam, I feel hopeless. I feel hopeless about the state of my country and I feel fear I feel like the biosphere is collapsing. I feel like we're on the verge of civil war. I feel like we can't actually get anything done politically. I'm like, what do I do? Right? You kind of just started talking about it. Where would you start with me? I would start by relating with you. Mm -hmm. So like, rather than try to get you anywhere, I'd be like, me too. Yeah. Like, I mean, in my perspective, the political system up in Canada is a little bit um, less divisive and it's less, 
in the States, you have two parties. So that inevitably right. creates complete polarization, whereas we have a little bit more in Canada currently, right? Who knows? Maybe it's inevitable that it absent something else, it just polarizes out to those two extremes. But when I look at these systems, I often feel like, oh God, this political system is not set up to promote things like integrity because integrity requires a willingness to own my mistakes. Mm. And we as constituents of a political party are quick to condemn and, and like very blind to how what's what we're condemning is also our own stuff. Right. And that makes it hard for anyone to come clean and be like, Hey, I fucked up. I made a huge mistake. And because the stakes in doing that in politics, so you get booted out and then you lose your job. So then why would you do that? And then, oh, frig, the system's set up against the very thing yeah. that could probably make a difference. So yeah, go ahead. The thing that I, the practice that I've taken on is to not abdicate any of my responsibility as citizen. Uh-huh. It's too easy for me to say it's the politician's fault. They're doing this to me. And so one of the largest things that I've been encouraging my me as well as all the conversations that I'm getting into is like, no, we as citizens are responsible for this. Yes. We are the ones that are creating the environment that is actually having this come out of it. Yes, it's top down. It's happening to us. But we are also creating this bottom up, absolutely adding to the dynamics of what's happening. Yeah. And so, so I just really... I've taken on the job of falling back in love with the right. And, and I noticed that I genuinely do love the right. And, and I'm sorry, we're still talking about the American politics because I know you're Canadian. It's all good. I'm, I'm there with in, you. Yeah. In terms of leadership, I, I just so love everything that you bring. And what I notice is that it's too easy to fall into they do it to us, right? And so yes. I'm trying to bring that element of leadership into, no, we actually as citizens are are creating this dynamic as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I often, so the commitment I am to how I show up in my life, you know, as leader and as someone who is committed to developing leadership, first and foremost, by modeling it, right? So like, where's the work? Over here, first and foremost, always and forever. And one of the challenges I face with that is, on the one hand, I'm committed to seeing the light beyond, on the like past or below or beneath the fear-based stuff that shows on the surface. And whatever the fear-based stuff is, it, it's different for everyone. It's also the same for everyone. So, like the part of me that's shitty, or when I get hurt or I'm afraid of being left out, pushes you out. So then, at least you're further out than I am, and then you know, blah blah blah. So all of that stuff, so I'm committed to seeing this light. And then there's stuff that I see happen, especially in US politics, that like, but also in Canadian and everywhere else where I'm just like, there's a really human part of me that really wants to condemn and really wants to just be like, are you kidding me? And, yeah. you know, the the former president, Trump, really drove that up in me. There's a lot he did that I really did not like and was a real, an ongoing practice for me to like find this line where it's like, okay, how do I honor that part of me that's outraged and not let that rule my life? How do I choose a higher path? And how do I look back over here and see like, well, I'm mad because that man in my perspective is just telling outright lies and doubling down on them. Where in my life do I 
practice that way? Where do I convince myself of my own lies and then sell them to other people because it allows me to, you know, whatever the thing is. And so I, that, that tightrope is challenging. That's a really tricky place to walk. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful practices that I, I, I learned in, in a lot of uh, uh, the AC work that, you know, you introduced me to and, and as well as just the whole coaching world. And in this notion of being at the effect versus being at cause, you know, to really look inside and know, notice that everything we think is happening outside of us that we're projecting out into the world that's happening to us is just a manifestation of our inner state. Yes. And uh, boy, it's painful, man. Yeah. <laughs> it is not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. So yeah, it's a powerful practice. I appreciate you like mentioning it because it's a big deal. How worried are Canadians about America and America right now? I need uh, you to tell me all 30 million Canadians' <laughs> perspectives. <laughs> you know them, right? What about Steve? <laughs> well, I think it varies. So, like, I have some friends that are very invested in the American political system, which is on some level almost as ironic as. Americans really invested in the U.S. political system. Like there's people that just their lives are and their well-being is completely at the effect of who is or isn't elected. And it's like, we don't have a lot of control over that. And then up here in the North, we have even less control. But I get it. It's scary. There's fear on the line. So yeah. I have friends that are incredibly invested. I have other friends that are incredibly judgmental of the states as a whole. So there's not even... There's no nuance, right? They're present yeah. to whatever part they're present to, which tends to be the part that yells the loudest, which tends to be, at least for the last four years, the political system and the person at the top of it. And then right. that's the judgment they cast. And um, and I think that's its own massive problem because when you've got someone that you can really easily point, like you're really justified in pointing the finger to, it's really easy never to take a look on your side because it's so glaring over there. And then there's a lot of the people that I'm closest with that are really like, um, at least for me, I'm just like, man, we're all hurting. And I feel a lot of my friends in the States are really hurting. And, and I just feel a lot of empathy and compassion for them. And I also, at the same time, I trust somehow things will work out. Maybe not things working out doesn't mean that I'm, we're not going to get hurt, right? Like, if a kid is learning to ride a bike, he's somewhere along the line is going to learn to ride the bike. But if I'm terrified of him scraping his knee, that's going to be a really tough go. Cause I'm like, ah, things aren't working out. No, they are. He's going to hurt himself, but that's how you learn to ride a bike. So on some level, spiritual, perhaps things will work out. I trust that. Boy, it's absolutely spiritual. I mean, this, it's, I don't know what else to to take from like what's happening on the planet right now. There is an outright systems collapse on almost every level. And yeah. all of the systems from the biosphere breaking down to economic systems and political systems are breaking down. And it's hard to hang on. I notice an immense amount of fear. My practice, for me personally, I've been noticing a deep, deep, deep anxiety start to mm. arise every day, every afternoon about 10 o'clock from somewhere between like 10 to noon, I just get hit with this overwhelming fear and anxiety. And in a lot of ways, yeah. it's debilitating. I've actually stopped scheduling work during that time because I have to go into practice. 
Uh-huh. And I just, my, my practice is to look deeper into the fear and look deeper into the anxiety. Like yeah. just try to find how I can penetrate it more and not run away from it. I think, you know, for me, I've, I've taken on real sobriety and try to remove out as many numbing agents as I possibly can see. And it's, uh, wow, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And so yeah. I, 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 I do notice, like, as you're saying, when judgments come up around other people that are like, oh, they get into their, their righteousness about other people. This righteousness, I, I just try to point out, like, when we make ourselves right, we're making the other person wrong. And man, I have been so guilty of that in my life so many times. And it's going to require I break through and his word breakdown as a species right now. Yes. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I, if, go ahead. I, I hold on. I'm just going to shut some stuff down because I think my computer is like, let me back the internet up for you. It's been a while since you've done that. There we go. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I got you. I feel like, so like righteousness is, righteousness is well-worn territory for me. I'm really good at it. I used to be a lawyer, so I'm really effective at our, and, and I chose into that profession because it was so, it was something I've been practicing for years, learning how to be right. What's the right answer, debate, argument, blah, blah, blah. And so there's like a perennial thing I'm bringing to my coach often, like once every six months or so, which is like, ah, I'm so annoyed with this person and this person's doing things wrong and they're not representing the coaching profession the way they ought to and blah, blah, like, and so it's just like so ever present for me. It's really familiar territory. I have gotten so much value from watching uh, so many of your tea time episodes about this right. I mean, and, and, you know, being the smartest man in the room, like I can definitely relate. I can definitely relate of just this smug kind of like thing that I feel sometimes. And I yeah. just, it makes me feel gross, you know, uh-huh. but when I have to look at it, I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at yes. it, but I, yeah. So you've definitely been a huge inspiration. Absolutely. On me in that, in that realm. So, yeah, well, man, it's, it's almost hard because I, 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 I'm kind of in that space where I, I feel still like that paralyzing, crippling fear. And mm. I'm in that place today. And I've been there like, not crippling, but I've definitely feeling anxiety in the background. And I'm not sure if I'm tapping into collective or if I'm tapping into like all this backlog of fear and anxiety that as I was numbing out, it's like, okay, well, right. great. So like get to the, get to the old files and it's tough, man. It's really, really tough, but I'm doing my, I'm, I, I've got my coach and I'm, I've got a therapist as well. And I'm just really taking on so much of that work. So. Like I really uh, acknowledge you first, Jared, just for being authentic about that. And you're a coach and you're getting supported with that. And it, you know, it just, this profession briefly coach and then also leader, someone committed to actually being leader requires a lot of support. And we don't like that. We don't tend to want to do that. Or why should I have to, or this sense of entitlement? It's just like, because there's so much to feel, there's so much to be with and operating over top of it and numbing it doesn't tend to really work very well. And the other thing I wanted to share was um, me too with the fear piece. Like I've noticed that's been live for me for the last maybe a month 
in varying degrees. And I've been willing to feel it in varying degrees. So for the first couple of weeks, I was just playing video games a lot and drinking <laughs> quite a lot. And I was like, I'm going to stop doing both of these things. Yeah. Or I'm going to set up some structure around them rather than just whatever. Let's see how it goes. Oh, the way it went is I played video games for 12 hours and I drank throughout that whole time. Okay. That's how that went. So let's do yeah. something different than that. And the other thing I notice is I am aware of what serves me when I'm in this place. Like when I'm afraid, some of the stuff that serves me is like really simple well-being practices. Like first thing I do is I get up and meditate and then I clear. So I write out everything in my head and I get clear that it's an interpretation and I choose a different place to stand, just a different place to show up rather than fixing any of that stuff. I'm a loser. Well, I'm going to, what's my, my stand for today is breath. So can I find breath in the moment, regardless of whether I'm afraid or think I'm a loser or no one loves me, you know, whatever. And the funny thing is that knowing this stuff doesn't necessarily create any shift because some days I'm just unwilling. So like there was a period of about a week where I was like, I got supported and I'm like, I know what there is for me to do. I know the stuff that's going to make a difference and I'm not going to fucking do it. Get up. I should do that. But maybe I'll play another eight hours of my computer game and just where I'm left with all that is so much compassion for all of us, because even though we know what there is to do, or we know what might better us, that in itself doesn't necessarily get us over the line. And it really requires something from within, some some energetic effort to choose into the next thing. And that is a challenge. I listened to you say that. I, I, I've been consuming more of your, your media in preparation for this. And I, you know, I have enough, I, I watch you sporadically throughout over the time, but I've been watching a lot more of it recently. And I was really inspired by that notion mm. where you were talking about that. And then the self-forgiveness and the compassion for, yeah, I'm not showing up today. Instead of <laughs> yeah. the berating and the beating of self, like, man, I can, I can do that with the best of them. <laughs> yeah. And it really had me look and notice like, oh Yeah. I am getting a value out of checking out, out of numbing out. Yeah. And it's tough. It's fatiguing. And, you know, you can't, you have to take a rest sometimes and uh, really recharge in a lot of ways. So, man, I got yes. so much value out of that distinction when you made it a couple, whenever it was, I can't remember a couple of days ago. Yeah. So yeah. Beautiful work. I'm stoked to hear that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, Adam, there's so many places we can go. Let's go to all of them. That's a lot. You have to choose a place. <laughs> Tell me what's new in your life, what you're really working on, what you're creating. Mm -hmm. So part of what's been triggering some fear for me is um, interrupt me if you want me to stop talking about this Please. or clarify oh, or direct me. I find I tend to be in like waves just in life and in breakthroughs and breakdowns. So mm. usually I'll create some new way of showing up in my life and that'll create the breakthrough and then a lot of stuff starts to shift. And the last time this happened, the breakthrough I created was in the realm of intimacy with my wife. And as is often the case, right before the breakthrough, pretty big breakdown, usually. That's where all the old stuff's not working. I'm clear it's not working. I'm committed to something different. I'm choosing outside of it, but I don't know what to do beyond that. And it's just like that feeling of hammering your head into the wall. And so about six months ago, I created a big breakthrough with my wife, and um, it's been amazing. Our relationship has drastically transformed. We're doing some amazing work with some incredible teachers. We're having more sex than we've ever had in our relationship ever before. And you knew me when I was working on this, you know, like 
our relationship was largely celibacy. Yeah. yeah, it was really a challenge. So just epic breakthroughs. And it's been about six months since then. And the breakthrough I'm kind of up to now feels somewhere along the line, like part of what's a little bit in the way is there's something about how I'm being that's not enrolling clients. And so that then creates fear for me. The beautiful thing is my wife is on a streak right now. She's also a coach and she's just, her practice is full and all of that stuff. So nothing wrong with that. And it generates fear for me. I'm like, oh no, I'm being left behind. I'm not doing the right stuff. Ah, maybe I need to go back to law. All of that fear-based stuff, it shows up. So that being said, some of the stuff that I am really stoked about and like the big thing that I'm working on right now is like I've written this, well, I've written a couple of books, but the one that's most recent is The Spectrums of Being, which kind of captures a lot. It's my model for a lot of the work you and I and a bunch of other people have been trained in. And this idea that there's the light that we begin our life as, and then there's all the stuff we learn to do to compensate for what we believe is inadequate in ourself, which we were trained in growing up. Oh, I was working hard on my assignment, but my parents weren't happy enough with the grade I got. I guess I'm not smart enough. I will do a bunch of stuff to make sure that everyone knows I'm smart. And then that becomes a pattern. And then I forget that I ever created it. And then that becomes the way I am in my own story. So this is all about breaking that apart. And I've just finished the final copy of it. It's about a 400 page, it's a big book, like a Whoa. reference. Yeah. So this is kind of like an early edition that we published for members of an intensive that we ran. This is the idea is sort of like half of it is kind of the context, giving people all of like, this is how this model works. This is how we can relate to people. I can change your life. And then the second half of the book is taking 25 different ways of being. So like brilliance, generosity, divinity, wisdom, connection, and laying out like, here's what's predictable for you. Here's the possibility of your life. Here are some of the shadows that predictably show up for you and bringing that all so that people can really see themselves in this. So I'm super stoked about that. And I got someone translating it into French and like, there's a bunch of cool stuff happening there. So that's one of the things I'm pretty jazzed about. Wow. I remember I have seen things that you were, you were talking about in reference to that book. So I'm, I'm really excited for it to come out. So I'm definitely going to get too. a copy Yeah, because I'm a big Ken Wilber integral geek. Did you by chance, have you ever read the spectrum of consciousness? Uh, it sounds super familiar, but I cannot put any, I can't remember book. it. So it's just, I'm imagining it's fairly familiar and similar to your book. So that's awesome. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Congratulations, man. That's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah. How do you find time to run a successful like Facebook live, have a client load and then write a book on top of it, man? You're a very prolific, prolific man. So <sighs> a lot of structure. So like ma men's work really served me in this, like masculine practice to, you know, like every morning, well, I'll even show you, maybe you've already seen this, like on my desk here, I don't really reference this anymore, but like there's my morning routine and it's broken down into time. Oh, bring me back into yep. focus. And this, I don't necessarily follow this anymore, but I created it originally because I really wanted to empower that structure in my life. So what tends to happen is that I'll get up, sit in front of my computer, and then immediately answer emails or go on Facebook or distract myself. And so having that in front of me, I was like, what am I meant to be doing? All right, I'm writing for an hour. And so what's happened for me is slowly I've brought in different bits. Like originally, all I really had time for in the morning, all I was really willing to do was like meet with, uh, I'm going to get his name. Is it Corwin or Corbin? 
Corwin. Corwin, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So our friend Corwin, who was another man who went through men's work with us, we'd get on the on a Zoom for 15 minutes every morning and practice. And then that would be that. And that was the only structure I was willing to empower. And then once I started that, then I was like, well, I'm already up. What else would I like to do? And then slowly start to add things in. And I find I have to put a little bit of energy into maintaining that structure, just like any masculine practice to hold the pose requires energy. But then it serves me so much, like it gives me so much freedom then, because during that time, I'm like, I'm just going to write and I can write whatever I want. And so I find spiritually speaking, masculine practice goes a long way, but it's really like the structure in my life allows me to do way more than if I was just like, I'm going to do what I feel like, because the answer to that is video games and booze. Um, my life's purpose is to serve divine love. My default life purpose is to play video games and drink whiskey. I can so relate to that. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I love the default it, life purpose. That's a great distinction. Yeah. So, you know, Adam, it's so funny that we're talking about this because um, my feminine will rebel against my own inner masculine so much as we're talking about with the video games and everything else. And sometimes she's just like, nope, I'm not doing this. And... I'm noticing that with all of the healing work that I'm doing, I feel more heard. I feel more seen. I'm relitigating parts of my past where I'm re mm. I'm making new meaning out of my past. Nice. And I find that as I do that, I feel freer on the other side to actually take on more structure. And so in, in many ways, like as my inner feminine gets more filled, my inner masculine is like naturally rising to meet it. Yeah. And because whenever I'm just like, I have a lot of times, like I tried that in the past. I've tried to just like create rigid structure and you look at my calendar and it's just blocked off with all these colors and every minute that like, you will then take three minutes of a rest and you will be back at 604 and it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but I'm really finding this freedom and feeling seen and heard and filled up. And, um, yeah, we, we definitely have shared that. And, and I'm getting back with one of our old teachers, John Wineland, and, and, and I'm really consuming a lot more of his, his work again, because I've been basically on sabbatical from work. Your, your video around like, I don't want to do emails. Fuck it. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I basically during 2020 was like, fuck it. I'm not doing any of this stuff. Uh-huh. And I've been trying to pull myself back in for about four or five months and I'm really kind of getting there. So yeah. Yeah. Well, great, man. So you got your new book coming out. It's getting translated into French. Anything else you want to you wanna jump in about and kind of promote and tell us about? Um, sure. Yeah. You want me to plug some stuff or you want to see if to, I want to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the other thing that I'm really passionate about, like really feel called into, I mean, first of all, I think you know this about me. I'm really a stand for the coaching profession. And more so than like being a stand for the profession, I'm a stand for the possibility of coaching. And one of the places I see that possibly not get realized is that the profession just has a lot of watery, diluted stuff, positive affirmations, people telling you to do stuff, advice giving. It's all well-meaning. It's just not very powerful because the person's not starting here and doing their own hard work. Instead, where they're starting is, I've done my work. I'm woke. Let me help you, which is not the same thing. And so the thing I'm really 
stoked about is that I see in the coaching profession, a divide that gets created. I see this everywhere, but especially prevalent in the coaching profession, which is I get to do this thing I love called coaching. And then there's this thing in front of it I have to do called selling and creating clients. And then, you know, people do what they have to do to manage that divide as best as they can. So they either try to avoid it, you know, get in-house, create the perfect funnel and marketing system or whatever, hire someone to do it for them, go on LinkedIn and whatever, you know, all that stuff they do, or they get training to do this really good. And then they can spend as little time as possible in this thing that they don't like. And as much time as possible in this thing they do like the crappy part about all of that is you're, you've based all of what you're doing on this division, this idea that these are separate. And so no matter whether it's 5% of your time in this thing you don't like or 20, you still have to spend 5% of your time doing something you hate. That sucks. Right. And the thing I'm fascinated by is, first of all, the whole coaching body, the ICF, the International Coach Federation, buys into this and perpetuates it. And what I see is that's all made up and that the heart of this work and really the heart of any entrepreneur's journey is to see like, oh, these aren't separate at all. And in fact, mm. creating a client is no different, like really the heart of masterful client creation and abundance and prosperity and whatever service-based business we have is about fully expressing ourselves and deepening relationship with people. Now, what happens is we're like, I need a client and then we get all fucked up. We're like, what's the right thing for me to say? And then there's no actual right. connection. There's the strategy I'm trying to get them to buy into. But if we can retrain ourselves to understand like, oh, what there is for me to do right now is connect with this person and get curious with them and let my curiosity lead me and get curious about the possibility of their lives and like start to build from there. All of the anxiety we have about selling and all that stuff falls away. It dissolves and it stops even being a conversation. And so I'm super jacked about that. And there's a course I've been running uh, we're in the second iteration of it, which is a 10-week course where we basically create that foundation for people and take them through the transformation so that instead of it being this crappy thing they have to figure out how to do so they can spend as little time as possible in it, it becomes like, oh my God, none of that's a conversation I'm in anymore because the conversation that they are left in is just, how do I be more of Jared or how do I bring more of Adam into this space with this person? And so the secret sauce of all that is they become really masterful at just being in relationship with people. And that's a beautiful thing. One of the things that I was really taken with is I don't think that I can ever feel you being salesy. It's, I don't think it's ever happened. For a little bit more context, I, I, I met Adam in a workshop container. And so he had these clothes on. It was just fine. It was like a t-shirt and some shorts because we were doing a bunch of crazy shit. <laughs> and I went up to I went up to uh, his hometown, and I was with another friend of ours. And I turned this corner, and he's dressed in this like just ridiculous suit. He's like as dapper as can be, and I'm like, is it? Is he getting married today? What is going on? Like, he's <laughs> like, is this a special day? And it was just Tuesday, you know. It was like whatever. And he just emanated that. And then I started having a conversation with him, and then we went out that evening and we grabbed a drink and had another conversation and I ended up becoming his client. And I think I mentioned it. I don't even think you did. It never felt salesy. It never felt like I was never concerned. It really was actually coming from connection. So I just want to like really acknowledge that how really masterful you actually are at that. I think mm. it's pretty, it's really beautiful how you do that. 
And I notice when I watch you with people, I always leave with a sense of like a, there's like an internal smile when people come in your presence. And it's like a, there's just so much that's warm about it. I, I really love it. And I just honor that piece in you. So, and I just have to say about your LinkedIn, you have so many comments about the, these millions of LinkedIn like messages. Ever since you've mentioned it, every time I get one of those vapid LinkedIn messages that like nothing, it's just these auto response. I'm just, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard to <laughs> yeah. me. And I, I like, well, thank you, Adam, for that. <laughs> so I've taken on the practice to, to really try to be connection in those, those types of dynamics. So yeah, there's a place to practice always. And, right. and it's way more fun if we can approach those people with a smile on our face, maybe yeah. a bit of a smirk, like not totally. a shitty smirk, but you know, the way you and I were trained, like the masculine beholds the feminine energetically with a bit of a smirk. I'm not going to take right. this too seriously. And like just a genuine like love and desire to connect. Then those messages stopping like, fuck you. And they start being like, oh, cool. I wonder what will happen here. Let's find out. Yeah. I've had conversations with salespeople before and I'm just like, throw every sales technique you've ever had away and mm -hmm. fall in love with your clients. That's it. Yeah. Just that's it. And I really feel like that really is genuinely the way to actually get what you want is just fall in love with your clients. And that's the ultimate technique. Totally. And, and fall in love with them. And how can I serve this person right now? Not totally. The next, you know, like there's that thing that's quite, I don't know if it's Vogue anymore. It was for a while of like, have the webinar and then the webinar you give like 5% of a thing. And then it's like, and sign up for this. And then you funnel them down, which is a little bit like when you go to the timeshare condo presentation and, and they're like, you could be at the beach. You're like, I'm at the beach. Let me be at the beach. It'll be way better. And right. like, if we just give the people the experience of the beach, that so much more fun for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. I want to switch gears, Adam, because you've Do mentioned it. this a couple of times and I thought your distinctions around stand, you've used the word stand. And for those people who are unfamiliar with what you mean by, I'm a stand for, you've said that now a few times, like I'm a stand for this. Can you say what you mean by I'm a stand for something? I'll try. We get it. We get in coach speak sometimes and yeah, it's sort totally. of shorthand for, for a wider audience that might not understand. No, and I appreciate you bringing that, you know, it's just the water I, we swim in. And sometimes oh. I don't even notice when I'm in it. So standing for something would be, well, the two places we tend to come as humans, I'll start here, is either attached or resigned. So I have friends that are like attached to the way the political system should run. And consequently, every time something happens that's not in alignment with that, they're like bent out of shape and they're angry and they're furious. Or maybe I have a friend whose other friend says, can you help me lose weight? And then they're attached to them losing weight. So they're very like blamey and stabbing a finger at them. So that's like one way we go as humans, we get really attached. And then the other way we go is from resignation, which is like, fuck it. The political system's not going to do anything anyhow. I'm just going to stop caring. So we just check out altogether. And standing would be not in the middle of those two, but transcendent of it. So it's not even on this spectrum I've drawn out. It's something off of that entirely where I am fully engaged with whatever it is I'm standing for, meaning I'm willing to feel everything. And if it doesn't go the way I want it to, I'm willing to allow myself to feel heartbroken. 
But then what I do for my heartbreak is I work myself out so I can come back and then once again, be my commitment for that. So if I'm a stand for the coaching profession to be a certain way, like I said earlier, what that means is that when I am presented with the coaching profession, not being the way that I'd really love to see it, I let it impact me. I let myself feel whatever there is for me to feel. I work myself out so I can come back to a place of being like, not fuck it. The coaching profession is going to do whatever the fuck it's going to do. And I have no power and not yelling at people and shaking them for what they're doing, but instead like really putting my stake in the ground, really inviting people into the game that I see really benefits all of us and continuing to do my work and to speak it into the world and just working myself out to keep standing in that place. How did I do there? I thought it was great. I'm literally just like, how do I respond to such a great answer? It, it, I, I, it's a hard concept. It takes us out of our normal operating way. So it's yes. like, wow, it's going to it's gonna take a minute for that to really distill into my awareness and understanding. And yeah. I think even still today, boy, it, it's, it's a lot. It takes a lot of stamina for stance. It is not a, a practice of the practice for the for the vein at heart, you know, it's, it's really a big deal to, to stand for, for anything, anything. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, Oh, I'm looking out the, my window and I'm like, I'm looking at these mountains and I'm looking at like the city and I'm like, Oh, the mountains are dying and the city's dying and the civilization's <laughs> dying. And I'm like, and I chose to take on a stand to like save it all. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm standing for a breakthrough in our political systems and our economic systems and our, in our uh, ecosphere, the, the way that we, we interact and are, are being with our ecosphere. Yes. And um, it's quite taxing. You know, I have to, I have to, it's, 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 it's like, it requires stand. I love how you said it goes out of the dualistic model. It transcends that because it, it's, it's sort of, conjures like a quantum leap is the thing yes. that's required. Yeah, and, exactly. And we don't know how to do it, but our being. So we've mentioned the word being, it's like, you know, our, our, the, the, who we are at our essence that knows how to do it, but our egos don't. And man, it's a practice to really continually try to pull those egos out of the way and live from essence. It is not, not easy. It's but, a muscle, a muscle we're building. And can I just add a piece onto well, what you just about? Yes, please. It is very fatiguing. And the, the way, like the example I would use is like where most people get, if they're like, Oh, my best friend's coaching me or whatever, you know, something that's not, of course, it's not going to work, but we'll just use that as our example. So if I told my best friend, look, I'm really committed to doing this thing and it was edgy for me. So I'm going to have some resistance to it. What typically happens is I meet with my friend every week and I'm like, yeah, I didn't do that thing. And I didn't do that thing. And I didn't do that thing. And my friend's job, if he's standing for me, is just to keep being like, keep forcing me to look at it, but not forcing me to do anything about it. So the way you might do that is like, hey, did you do that thing? I'm like, no. And then next week he's like, hey, did you do that thing? And I get nastier because I'm, it's annoying having someone put this in front of my face, even though I asked them to. Right. And What's going to happen for him as he asks this question is he's going to get tired and he's going to get fed up with my shit. And he's eventually like from being fed up with me not doing the thing, he's either going to yell at me or do whatever he does. This is the attachment part to make me do it because that's going to alleviate his feeling fed up with me or he's going to give up on me and be like, 
fuck it. I'm not going to keep asking you about this if you're not willing to do it. And then that alleviates his fed upness. And so the hardest part is to stand with someone almost like just you're just there with them and they throw everything at the wall at you to try and get you to give up on them or to force them down the field. And instead, all we do is just keep asking like, hey, is this going the way you want it to go? Did you do the thing? No? Okay. You think you're going to do it next week? And that requires something to your point. It's something beyond our default because our default is I'm going to scream in your face. I love that one. Or I'm going to give up on you. Or I'm going to do it for you. Exactly. Yeah, that's another one. That's right. Just give me the thing. I'll call you every day at six. So at six, I'm going to call you. (laughs) And then did you get it done? (laughs) Yeah. And this is why coaches and leaders often get very burnt out when they're not very deep in their own work is because they can't, the stand crushes them and then they collapse one way or the other. And then they're just like, I don't have time to do this for everyone. I hate this. I need people that are motivated, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways I, I get frustrated with the coaching industry because of the, the spectrum of training that there is and the spectrum of work that people bring. You know, I know if I'm going to a therapist, you had to get through basically five years of training before you could actually see me. Right. Right. And there's so many therapists out there that I read a book or I went to a weekend seminar and now I'm a coach. And yes. um, I could make the case that it's getting better, but I, I don't think so. It's there's a, there's so many coaches out there. Like you've spoken to a few of like friction with other people. And uh, the conversation helps me look back again, like, okay, it's time to that. The noticing of resentment and anger pointed out has me say, okay, there is some work that I get to do around that. So um, yeah, you've been a great inspiration in that. So I thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Well, let's start to wrap down here. Anything else you want to kind of say before we wrap this up, Adam? Just checking to see if there's anything else I want to say on like the political conversation. Oh, we yeah. I guess what I want to say there is like, I just want to own how challenging I find that because mm. I often don't know where to situate myself. I've got plenty of opinions and most of those opinions are like, this person's a dumbass. That person's wrong. And I love that you're kind of seeking to engage with people on that because most of political discourse or the discourse in that sphere is just like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. And then to infinity. And so I thirst for people that are really interested in the humanity on the other side. And um, that's what I strive for. And I just, I really have great admiration for everyone that's engaged in that practice because I'm so familiar with everything that I have in the way of doing that all the righteousness and that this person, all of that conversation. So yeah, I just want to put that into the space. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I I appreciate you saying so. It's, I had to overcome fear of like, if I say I'm this political thing, is the other political thing going to ostracize me? I'm never going to talk to that guy again. Yeah. Then I have to look inward and I'm like, why am I so obsessed with this? And I'm like, Am I trying to like solve some inner childhood wounding and all these kinds of things? And the answer is yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. And I get to like just be like, all right, well, okay, I get to anyway. So yeah, yeah it's just ultimately an expression. Whatever's happening on the outside is ultimately always an expression of what's happening on the inside. So totally. Yeah. Adam, 
I just love you on such a deep level. I have such deep respect for you and admiration and just such a massive amount of affection. And I, I feel a lot coming up just in um, how much I've received from you over the years. So I, I just couldn't be more appreciative. And I, it's almost hard to say how much gratitude I have for you, my friend. So thank you very much. Thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. I receive all of that. I really feel your acknowledgement and love. And I love you too, Jared. Thanks, my friend. All right, buddy. Well, we'll see you next time. See you, Adam. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in this topic and would like to explore it more, you can contact me at jared at jaredandersoncoaching.com, spelled J-A-R-E-D and Anderson with an O. You can also check me out at jaredandersoncoaching.com, where you can book a free discovery session and see what coaching might do for you. I also welcome feedback, so don't hesitate to send me an email with your thoughts on the podcast. And finally, I would invite you to rate and review this podcast. Once again, thanks for listening. Thank you.